Thank you for tuning into our Podbean subscription. We hope that you enjoy the message and we trust that God will speak to your heart. If you would like to sow into the ministry of Rebirth, please feel free to do so. You will find our banking details along with our PayFast link in the sermon description. Now, let's get straight into this week's message. Good morning, church. Good morning, Rebirth. Yeah. Don't let the enemy tell you that your serving in the house of God is in vain. Oh. Keeks. Where's Keeks? There's Keeks. Oh, still serving. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so blessed by that testimony this morning and I'm just reminded this morning that you know we often like Higgs was saying even even as servants in the house of God we get we get filled with excuses that no not today it's easy to say ah, somebody else will stand in the gap somebody else will do the small things the offering, the this, the that, the that. People's lives depend on that, on your obedience. Keegan, your, your friend, bless his soul, was obedient to, to the Holy Spirit. And look what God has done. Thank you for, for just ministering to my heart this morning. I feel like the sermon is done. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for for what you have done. Thank you, Lord, that you are mighty to save. The harvest truly is plentiful. Thank you, Lord, that we can be counted amongst the laborers this morning. Father, even as we've given into your kingdom, We pray a special blessing over the seed that has been sown this morning. Truly we see what your seed is used for. Help us to continue to use this according to your purpose and all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I feel the presence of God in this place this morning. I'm so honored to be able to stand here this morning. Um, the weight of the word is on my shoulders. It's been, I, I, I now know what it feels like to stand in the ring with that guy called Rikas. <laughs> it's been a rough week. Um, I've been preparing, uh, we are in the book of Revelation, if you, if you don't know, and um, I've been tasked with that that uh, many stay away from called the seven seals um, and if you tried preparing for that you will know the pain that I've endured so this morning I just want to thank God for the opportunity to share his word and um, Father I come to you this morning and I just pray Lord that There's been much that has been prepared, but Lord, you know what needs to be spoken. So Father, I pray that you anoint my lips this morning. Holy Spirit, use me as a vessel 
for your purpose, for your glory, so that you would change hearts according to your purpose. Use me this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this morning, like I said, we'll be getting into the seven seals, and um, Pastor Bevan used the word, or the phrase, rather, um, we are fluid on time. Um, just nudge your neighbor, um, <laughs> Pastor Bevan. <laughs> so, I believe we are fluid on, uh, on time, a little fluid on time, but with that, I'm being very conscious of the time, so um, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit and uh, flow as I need to flow where I need to flow. Amen. So we pray um, uh, very soon that our projector will be uh, replaced by a new one with God's provision. Amen. So I, I do things with slideshows, so I apologize in advance if you cannot see that too clearly. But in the, the, the back, what we have here is a closed curtain and the next one, if I can get onto it, I don't know, am I using the, the right one? Say again. So I think we've got two. Um, that's that's my one. Is it that one? Okay. All right. Okay. So so a curtain drawn and a curtain undrawn, revealing revealing or unveiling what is hidden from man but known uh, to God. So we're going to get straight um, into it and we're going to get to the present scene which is on the island of Patmos. And we see John who was exiled to Patmos, Patmos rather, because of the word of God and because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. In Revelations 19, Jesus is actually named as the Word of God. So if we want to transpose, we could say that John the Baptist is there uh, for Jesus because of Jesus. And I just want to say this very quickly. You know, he's there for proclaiming Jesus, for standing for Jesus. Um, and he's there because of the testimony of Jesus. So what he proclaimed, what he proclaimed actually caused an outward expression. Right, so we introduced to John right here, who's a bond servant in Greek, doulos. He doesn't just say, "I'm for Jesus." His very life expresses that he is for Jesus. Okay, so here's a challenge to us right from the beginning um, of this word. You know, we can say we're for Jesus, but what does our lives say? Pastor Bevan spoke about it last week. We can say, but is there evidence to convict us? And here we see that. The last surviving apostle, an old man by any means. Here he is in, in, in Patmos, alone, exiled. One could use the adjectives to say this man's life is over. What was it all about? It is in vain. What did it all mean? Why did he go through all of this? But God... He's positioned in his life at a point in time where man would have written him off for God to use him in one of the most powerful times um, in his life. Anybody ready for a five-second challenge? Yes. Um, Lerone, just look in that bag of mine, please. There's some, uh, some good sweeties there for, for those who know, for those who, know, who need a sugar rush. So these are going to be pretty easy. 
because Pastor Bevan gave a lot of these answers last week. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm even going to be generous, and I'm going to allow you to pick up your hand if you know the answer, because there are prizes involved where this is concerned. So, anybody ready? When approximately was Revelation written? Any takers? Hands, 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 hands. Hey, Keeks, I saw your hand. When, Keeks? Hallelujah. AD 96, AD 94, in the, the, the last couple of years of the first century. Indeed. Okay. So, who is the author of Revelation? We have Layla. John the Disciple. John the Disciple. Amen. The Apostle John. Right, well done, Layla. I, I think you can give out the, the, the prizes, Lerone. <laughs> Who's the divine author? Any hands in the house? Who's the divine author? Hey, hey, has there been any readings going on? What do you say, Dix? Jesus. Jesus! Jesus is the divine author of Revelation. Amen. Revelation in Greek is what? Hey, there was that. What is it? That, that sounds like English. That sounds like English. Hey? Okay. Apocalypsis. I'll take apoc Apocalypsis is the one we can give to Keeks. <laughs> Who was it? Tarot. Well done, Tarot. That's future sister in law over there. Um, who was, uh, what is the genre? Ah! Ah! Charlie says it is apocalyptic and for one more point, how do we interpret apocalyptic? Because you raised your hand on that one, Pastor B. How do we, how do we uh, then interpret ap apocalyptic? One, uh, two seconds. We look at symbolism. Um, so there's a there's a, there's a part um, there's a part literal and there's a part interpret uh, a figurative interpretation where that is concerned. Amen. Amen. What is the purpose of Revelation? We've been reading Revelation, yes. So why are we why are we going through this when you're seeing all of this drama happening? What is the purpose behind Revelation? Any takers in the house? There is silence in the house. Yes, Charlie. Uh, I think that it is to uh, prepare us and love us for the day to come and the second coming. The warnings and guidance. Now, I'll take that. So there is warnings and guidance. There's, it talks about lots of trials and tribulations that you will go through. And it also uh, gets you to a point of don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Stay the course when you are going through the trials and tribulations that you are going through um, in and as promised by revelations. Suffering and persecution, does it say it? if it comes? When it comes, remain faithful. Amen. Back to the present scene. If you didn't get a sucker, it was your own fault. Okay. <laughs> All right. So back to the present scene that we have here right now. So John 
um, is in Patmos, he has a supernatural encounter. He's transported from the natural into the supernatural by the Holy Spirit. And he hears a voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. And instructs him what you see to write down in a book and to send it to the seven churches. Now, hey, this, this differs a little bit uh, here from where Paul was writing to uh, the epistles to a single church in the region, right? Because now, John has been instructed to write down this revelation is to the seven churches, which means it's going to everybody. What's in there about me, you're going to read? Hey, this is a little bit of an uncomfortable thing, wouldn't you think? But it talks to now also how serious and how urgent God is about this plan. God is now, if he was knocking before, he is now hammering at the door. Okay, how easy is it for us to keep sin in the background where nobody knows about it? How easy is it to say, it's okay, now everybody else gets to know. Becomes very uncomfortable, right? Can become very painful. But it can be very liberating if we respond in repentance. So there's a purpose behind things coming to light. And I'm going to caution us right now. It is not for us to step into judgment of each other. It's not in a, God has brought this to light to, 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 to afford us the opportunity to repent. What is our purpose as the church? To respond in support of one another. To intercede and be there for one another. Not to say, did you hear what Lerone did? Did you hear what Laron? Are we building up or breaking down the kingdom of God? First Corinthians, first, first Corinthians 10 to 12 says, Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Let's look very quickly at what was shown to the apostle um, John. Okay, so there was commendations, rebukes, or warnings. And it's important that I start here so that you see what happens later. As we go through this, you're going to see there's already that urging, that knocking, that knocking. Jesus is knocking. So the letters that come to the seven churches, and remember, everybody is reading this. Okay, so to Ephesus, Revelations 2 verse, or Revelation 2 verse 5, you have left your first love. And where there is rebuke, there's also a time frame attached to this. Check this out. Okay. Revision, uh, Revelation 2.5, you have left your first love. Repent or else I will come to you quickly. There, there is a time frame to this. Smyrna, there's a commendation. Remain faithful even unto death. Pergamos, Revelation 2.14, some are still practicing idolatrous rituals and fornication. Repent or else I will come to you quickly. Thyatira, temptations into sexual uh, immorality. Repent, Jesus is knocking at the door. Repent, repent, there is time. You know, even, even uh, we, we were at uh, Thyatira, temptation into sexual immorality, even Jezebel the temptress was given time to repent, but she didn't. And her time was then up. To the church at Sardis, Revelation 3.1, the walking dead. Repent 
or I will come upon you as a thief in the night. You will not know the hour. That's a warning. To the church at Philadelphia, faithful in perseverance. Hallelujah. In Laodicea, Revelation 3.16, let us never get your Lord. The lukewarm church who thinks they are rich, who thinks they are wealthy, who thinks they are in need of nothing. And this is what Jesus says to them. You are wretched. You are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Can they be so deceived? Can they be so deceived? But let us not judge, lest we fall there too. The Lord says, repent. I stand at the door and I knock. Repent. I stand at the door and I knock. So this is written to the seven churches, but is still as relevant for today's church. Can I get an amen? amen? Are we a tick box exercise church? Lord, let us never get there. Even worse, let us not be a TikTok exercise church where we look wonderful on social media, but down at home, we're spiritually dead. We are indifferent to our commitment to God. Father, help us. John is now supernaturally um, shown the throne room of God, a throne room of, of heaven. And in chapter 4, Pastor Bevan showed this, took us through the throne room um, of heaven. And in chapter 5, the action now begins. The action now begins. A scroll is introduced. John is distraught. He begins crying out, wailing. He's disturbed because nobody is found worthy in heaven or on the earth who can open the scroll, let alone look at the scroll. But an elder comes to him and says, don't worry, but, don't worry, but. The lion of Judah, behold, the lion of Judah, the root of David, he is worthy and he will open that scroll. Amen. But wait now. When I saw Jesus with the scroll in heaven, I thought about Jesus with the document or a scroll on earth. Let's have a look at this. So Luke 4, verses 16 to 30, and we read, and this is Jesus, right? So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all who were, on, uh, were in the synagogue were fixed on him and he be began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, 
Smith in Foundation Principles. The Christ, he explains the Christocentric principle. He says that if you study what Jesus Christ said and did in the Gospels and then go to the Old Testament to examine them as to why he did what he did in the Gospels, then you go to the rest of the New Testament to Acts and Revelations and see how the first um, world church interpreted this and apply this, we will get a deeper understanding of what God's will, purpose, and intent is for man. So I actually went and applied this principle. Now, of the 404 verses in Revelation, over 90% of them actually can be found in the Old Testament. Can be found in the Old Testament. This is absolutely amazing. So, I went and applied this. Okay, Jesus wrote in, uh, uh, or read from this in the New Testament, in Luke, right? I then went and found, okay, why was he doing this? Why was he doing this? And I went and found Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 2. Now check this out. This is exactly what Jesus read in Luke with a difference. Exactly what he read but with a difference. And the difference is at the end. He gets through everything of the same. The last part that he did not read before he sat down was, and the vengeance of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God. And this was shocking to me. Like, okay, why did he read up until this point on earth? Okay, this all here is God's first mandate on earth. What he's come to do on earth. This here is related to the second coming. So he left that out for a time where he would get to the second coming. All right? His first mandate on earth is to preach the good news to lead us to repentance and get into the kingdom of God. But we are still at that point of... Lord, but do I want to? He is knocking. He is pounding at the door. Yes, Lord, I've got till tomorrow. So when is the end time? From the time that Christ is risen to the time that he comes again. But time is promised to no man. You don't know if you will have tomorrow. You don't know. So the day of vengeance um, is the second, related to the second coming. So now we see that Jesus is standing with a scroll again, right? So we had Jesus on earth, the first mandate, which is, which is fulfilled. Now he's standing in heaven with a scroll and referring to this second mandate now being ushered in. Are you still with me? Amen. So, the coming tribulation why is the coming tribulation coming? Jeremiah 2 tells us. Jeremiah 2 verses 17 to 19 says, Have you not done this to yourself by your forsaking the Lord your God when he has led you in the way? Your own, and this is in verse 19, your own wickedness will correct you. 
and the apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. And the dread of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. We have no fear for God. So this great tribulation will come upon us. The tribulation will come onto us because of our own doing and our unrepentant hearts. May we never get to that point, Lord, where we do not bend our knees to you. So the lamb, the one who is worthy to open the seals, begins taking off the seals until the seal is opened to expose what God's plan is to rid the world of this final evil. But before we get into the seals, let's look quickly at a couple of uh, slides here. One of them is a definition. Septet. Does anybody know what septet is? There's a, there's a, there's a sucker involved. No suckers. No, 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 no. Do we still call them suckers? There's a, a septet means a group of seven. Okay? A group of seven. So these that are related to the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, these are septets, right? Meaning a group of seven. And we are exposed to um, septets of seals, trumpets, and bowls within Revelation. With this set of seven, they can be divided into a set of four and a set of three. The four judgments fall on God's earthly creation. That's the first four in each of the, the, the septet. That seals, bowls, trumpets. So the first four fall on God's earthly creation. And the last three is the cosmic judgment which falls on Satan and his followers. As we can see, um, as displayed on screen here, it is progressive and it progressively gets intensive. Right? First quarter of the nations are killed. And we'll get into that. The, when the trumpets come about, a third of the nations are killed. And don't be fooled by that. Eh? A, a third is bigger than a quarter. Go home and check it out. Uh, bowls, the whole nation is affected. Still with me? Amen. So, what does Pawson say? And when we go through the seals, I'll leave this on screen so that we can reference it and see what we believe. All right? So, Pawson says that a favorite idea of when or the timing of these judgments is this, where the judgments occur in parallel expression, so at the same time happening, and they all culminate at the same time. There's another um, way of looking at this, where the thought is they are successive, okay? The first six of these are successive, as you can see, and they culminate in the final seal. I'm going to leave that on, on, on screen for you to have a look at, because as we go through the seals, I want you to think about, okay, which one of these two are you going to lean to? And I'll tell you at the end what I'm leaning towards. You with me? Amen. Amen. So, Revelation 6 in your Bible, if you would turn there for me. And we're going to go very quickly through um, those. Zoe, how much time do we have? Thank you. All right, so, Amen, are we at Roman, um, Revelation 6? 
Laurent, can I just have some of that water, please? Thanks. Can I have an amen if you're there? Amen. amen. Thank you. All right. Let's read God's word. And I'm going to read the seals and then do a very brief explanation of what is going on there. And then, after I've done that, I'm going to do a, a, a very quick parallel of the seals, the bowls, a uh, seal, the uh, the seal, the trumpets, and the bowl. Okay, and then round it off, off for us. So, Revelation six one. Now I saw in the Lord when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, "Come!" And I looked, and behold. A white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So, in the original manuscripts, they have the instruction come from the King James. Uh, after, afterwards, they have the instruction come and see. Have you seen that? Okay, so come in the original is actually directed at the horsemen, okay? So you see God's um, sovereignty being displayed your way. God says, I am permitting this judgment to come versus talking to John where he says, John, pull in, come and see what is about to happen here. All right, so speaking to the horsemen, allowing God is in control. God is on the throne. There is nothing that is taking God by surprise here. Amen. All right, we also see um, this creature that comes forth on a white horse. Now, if you look at Revelation 19, Jesus also comes forth on a white horse. So there's been commentaries and arguments back and forth. Could this be Jesus? Could this not be Jesus? But there are some differences here. I lean more on the, the, the idea that this is not Jesus, also based on the company that he's towing behind him, uh, to bring judgment on the world and what he brings and has with him. He has a bow. Notice there's no mention of arrows. So he's coming in what looks like apparent peace. Jesus comes with a sword that, that comes out of his mouth to bring judgment against those who do not believe. All right. So we see this one with the bow without arrows that looks like he's coming to bring peace, but he has a mission to conquer the earth through war, right? He's also given a crown. He's given a crown. So he didn't come with the crown. This crown is given to him, so he didn't have authority before, but now he's been given authority. So the Greek word for this particular crown is called Stephanos. Stephanos, which is basically a wreath made of olive branches. You know, like they do in, um, in the Olympics. They give you that wreath. You look like a, a, a king and a, and a, and a queen for a, for a short time. But once you're done with that arena, you're done, right? Jesus' crown is called the diadem. It is an eternal crown. So the mission given to this one on the white horse is to conquer here on earth, but he comes as one that is appeared uh, or appearing as a peacemaker. Amen. So this seal and the next three seals that come parallel, uh, parallel 
what Jesus spoke in Mark 13, um, also in, in Matthew and, and Luke, on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. So these things must take place. The second seal is where conflict on earth is introduced. Verse 3. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted, listen to the language once again, it was granted, so God is allowing this, granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. Hearing the language there, to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. So, there is one, there is only one who gives peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And here this one has been given the power to take away peace. Okay? So the absence of Jesus in our lives, the absence of God in our lives, the absence of peace in our lives causes us to respond differently causes us to respond differently. Now we respond in anger. Now we respond um, uh, with, according to bloodshed. Now we, uh, dis, uh, uh, what's the word? We, 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 we connive plans for war. Okay? The peace that comes from God was a gift to the nations at that time. If there was peace between the nations, that was a God-given gift. And here this one is given the gift, or given this to take away peace. The third seal is where scarcity on earth is being introduced. So we have this one that comes, that looks like he's being in, uh, coming in peace. We have the second one that is coming where peace is taken away, where international unrest is being introduced, and this one, the, 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 the one that came looking like he's in peace, actually has a thirst for power. He has a thirst for territory. And what is the way to get that? Through war, through conflict, people killing one another. So when that happens, it leads to the third seal, scarcity on earth. Verses 5, when he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, come and see, or come. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who, who, who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. So we see here the natural progression where we had wars uh, taking place. We had people killing each other economic destruction is sure to follow. Amen? Economic destruction is sure to follow. 
He says here, a pair of scales is in his hand. So there's going to be a time that will come where we're going to have to measure out things very, very carefully because of the scarcity that comes in, because of the famine that comes in. A quart of wheat, and talking about barley, basic ingredients for bread, denarius was wages for a day. Now let's just take it uh, on average, let's just say people earn 15,000 uh, a month on average. That daily wage means 500 bucks a month. 500 rands for a loaf of bread. That is just, I, I can't even say it's just getting by. That, that is crazy proportions. You remember when COVID came around, um, the, 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 the supply uh, of, of, of give and take, you know, we saw prices going to crazy places, things you never would have thought. And guess what? People bought. People bought. There were those who could afford and those who could not afford. And there's, here we, it says, do not harm the oil and the wine. This was a, a symbolism for the things which the rich people could afford. So even at this time, when there is this judgment going through, there will be people that cannot afford it. But there still will be some people who can afford it. Right? There's a disparity still on earth. We will see. Watch this space. We will see how things start to change. The fourth seal. You still with me, fam? The fourth seal, and I hope you're watching there, hey, on screen. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. Um, and if we look up Greek, you'll see that the pale horse is actually a, a, a pale green horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given over to them. God is still in control. So power was given over to them, a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. So we see how this natural progression continues. The wars, the hunger, the, the death, the economic uh, destruction. We see um, the, 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 the beasts that, that are introduced here now um, with, with, uh, with death. A mind-boggling death toll comes from this dictatorship of greed. He says here, a, a quarter of the earth will be killed. At this point in time, we're about 8 billion people on the planet. Can you imagine a time here on earth where 2 billion people die? Now, to put this into perspective, during COVID, at least 3.4 million people died. Let's think of this. And, and we, we, we are here, we've experienced COVID, right? And we thought, yo, this, this is the worst thing that we've ever experienced now. 3.4 million people died in the Great Tribulation, upwards of 2 billion people. Now, just to put it into perspective, there are 1,000 millions in a billion. There are 1,000 millions in a billion. And yet, 2 billion people perish. 
Hope you're watching. Matthew 24, verses 21, Jesus says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And some people think the great tribulation has happened already. Do you not think that we would know? Do you not think that we would know if the great tribulation has happened? The fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs, those who are persecuted for believing in Christ. Are you with me, fam? We are on uh, verse 9. When he opened this, the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, symbol of purity. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So we see the fifth seal here moving in a different direction where the faithful to God's word and testimony are being slaughtered. Okay, But there's also emphasis on a cry for vengeance. So though we might look at it and say, but Lord, what about your people? What about your people? Why are they being persecuted? But we see when there's an introduction of the uh, trumpets, these same prayers, lest we, we ever think our prayers have no, have no power, these prayers usher in the trumpets, as we will see. So the, that reference that they had to under the altar um, the, 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 the blood being spilled out under the altar of those that have been sacrificed comes from Leviticus 4 verse 7 and he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering what an honor to be sacrificed for your belief and for your standing for God we will be called on that at some point in time I know there was lots of drama when we thought about a what, what stand should I take? The world wants me to do this. The world says I must do this. We are going to get to a place where you need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Amen. The sixth seal is where cosmic disturbances come into play. Verse 12. And I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place and the kings of the earth the great men the rich men the commanders the mighty men Every slave and every free man hid himself or hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? In the Bible, these celestial or heavenly disturbances are often connected with the coming 
of the Messiah. And Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, and Zephaniah record those. That's your homework. You can go and, go and look it up. Remember, when we, when we started a couple seals back, there still was some disparity on the earth where some could afford, some weren't as affected. Some could, even though it was expect, uh, expensive, they still could buy their way. They still could. Ah, I've got sufficient. It's uncomfortable, but I still can. Here, the playing field is leveled. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, no matter what your status is, what, what president of what company you are, how many stars you have on your shoulder, the playing field is leveled. There is no escaping the wrath of God in this day. They all will cry for mercy. Now what we see here after the, 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 the sixth seal is what is called an interlude where there's a break away from what is actually happening here, all these seals of judgment coming. There's an interlude which you'll see in the, the trumpets and as well as the bowls that happens where you actually have um, God focusing on the situation of those who believe and also focusing on, let's see what's happening in the fight between God and the enemies. Showing you, showing us, that the sovereignty of God still remains. Because of time, I'm not going to delve um, very much into the interludes. We've got to um, um, move on to the next. Um, but God help me here to, to stay with this. We move through the interludes. God has shown his, 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 his sovereignty. He's still in charge. He's still in control. We move to the seventh seal, which is now... There was a break from where we were to Revelation 8, verses 1 to 5. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Oh, glory. You see, we couldn't even keep that silence for one minute. We couldn't even... And, and a phone said, ah, now that phone wants to also preach. It now... For, 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 for 30 minutes in heaven where Revelation says there's a constant praise that happens. Do we remember that? I think it was in Revelation 4. There's a constant praise that happens. Holy, holy, holy constantly comes to a point of for 30 minutes. Can you imagine the weight of that moment? Everything comes to a standstill. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. Do you see those prayers that were happening? Lord, take vengeance for me. Lord, those cries. The prayers of the saints are now being taken into account and they rose before God and from the hand of the angel then the angel took the censer folded it with fire from the altar threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder rumblings flashings of lightning and an earthquake absolutely amazing All right so I want to look very quickly at this and I hope you can can read this now I'm going to get into a, a, a quick time of where we're going to 
compare these septets, right? But before we go there, we've just done these seven seals. So you saw the first seal brought in wars of conquest. Then there was international unrest where people killed each other. These fall into, feed into each other. Because of the wars and the unrest, we have famine and hunger. We have famine, plagues, wild animals, and one-fourth, two billion of people of humankind is killed. We have persecution of the saints, but remember, there's also the powerful prayers of the saints. We have earthquakes, the darkening of the sun, the moon like blood, stars falling to the earth, skies, the sky receding. It sounds like lots of drama from a Hollywood movie. Okay, islands and mountains removed, and then God breaks away from all the action to say, here's an ad break. Here's an ad break. I am in control. This is the God that we serve. There's all of this happening, people running to and fro, and he says, I am in control. And then, the seventh, silence, thunder, rumblings, lightning, and if you have quick eyes, you will have seen something. But... Let's move to the timings. Remember we spoke about those timings which says, are these things happening in parallel or are they happening in succession? The first six, then the next six, then the next six, and then culminating. All right. If we look at what is happening here in the sixth, right, in the sixth seal, it would be very hard for the trumpets and the bowls to still come about when this has happened, because this like almost brings an end to life on earth as we know it. The, uh, there's earthquakes, the sun is darkened, moon like blood, stars fall to the earth. Can you imagine stars falling to the earth? There will be nothing left, the, 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 the sky receding like a scroll. Islands and mountains, re if this happened and everything was successive, what would be left for the, 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 the bowls and, and uh, for the trumpets and the bowls to destroy? Okay, so that's one point for, for us to consider. If we go a step back and we look at the first four judgments of the bowls and the, the trumpets and the bowls, and as we can see once again here, would the earth survive even if this was successive? We've got hail and fire mixed with blood. I had a little bit of hail the other day and I thought, oh Lord, how are we going to make us through this day? The hail was hectic in discovery. Um, here we have hail and fire mixed with blood. One third of the earth is on fire. Like a burning mountain thrown into the sea. One third of the sea creatures die. One third of maritime commerce dies. This is utter chaos. Now if these things were happening successively, how would there be anything left? Okay. So here also for the bowls as well where we see the cosmic that's coming onto um, those who don't follow Christ, the festering of sores, the sea turning to blood, all sea creatures die, rivers turning to blood, sun scorches people, curse God. The, this here is what is most scary. And don't lose focus on this. We remember, like we said, like we read earlier on, we are going through this on the earth because of unrepentance of our own doing and yet it says here people still refused to repent can you imagine what will it take family 
What will it take? We still say, I have tomorrow left. And God is pounding. God is pounding. This is the providence of God. This is the providence of God. I'm going to um, just close off in a few minutes, if you would give me that. The timing of these judgments and when they occur is key. Okay? Like I said just now, the three numbered series cannot be chronological and successive because of the points that I've just made. All right? The three series do not prophesy a progression of events. Instead, they represent a unity of events that will basically come together to simultaneously get to a point of where the great tribulation ends. I want us to look at something, and now we'll see if your eyes and your reading has worked for you in Revelation. When we come to the culmination of what has happened, check this out. Thumb thunder, rumbling, lightning. Lightning, rumbling, thunder. Lightning, rumbling, thunder. Where have you seen this before? Any takers? Any takers? That is at the throne of God in Revelations 4 verses 5. It's characterized by that formula. Characterized by this formula. There's going to be thunder, rumblings, lightning. This shows us the culmination that God has taken control over the earth. God has been victorious. Now God is in control and the new will come. Amen. Victory is promised. Two more points and then I'll end, I promise. There's seven points on the purpose of the septet of judgments and I'll read them out to you. This is from Schnabel. I hope I haven't butchered his, his name. He says, point number one, God punishes man and earth by allowing evil to run its course. God doesn't even have to step in. Just allow evil to run its course. God's people are protected. Revelation 3.10 Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world, on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. God's sovereignty is never in doubt as we saw during the ad break. Amen? Amen. The depravity of humanity becomes evident in the refusal to repent. Lord help us. Despite being hated and martyred, God's people remain with the task of the Great Commission. The trials and tribulations that we are going through our lives, it's an honor to be tested for Christ. I was listening to what we were um, uh, singing earlier on and we were saying, hey, we will dance in your presence, Lord, till you come. But there's Shia coming. There's Shia coming. Can we still dance in the presence of the Lord when we are being shired? 
Can we dance in the, Lord, in the Lord's presence when nothing makes sense? Can we dance in the Lord's presence when, Father, everything says, why me? This is not fair. For his glory. For his glory. Martyred for his glory. God's judgment provides a final chance to repent. It is a knocking, a pounding. This is God's providence. A pounding. Look at what is happening. That there is time for you to repent. At the end, God will dismantle his first creation in order to, to bring in the perfection of a new creation. And I love this. The sixth seal, if you remember, concluded with the valid question. Who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? There is only the believer who can stand before this great judgment. The one who is justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ alone. When you get baptized uh, today, uh, Bradley and Suellen and Amber and Trish, you are taking a stand for Christ. You will be able to stand in the day of great tribulation because God has made a way. We cannot stand on our own. As we saw, man, whether you're wealthy, whether you're poor, whether you are president of the country or a janitor, they, nobody can stand but through Jesus Christ alone. Revelation is all about a cry. You will go through times of persecution. You will go through times of trial. But there is a way. There is time to repent. When you read Revelation, don't get hooked on the things that lots of people do is, when is it going to come? When is it going to come? When is it going to come? Because inside I'm trying to figure out how much time can I do my own nonsense? I'm so focused on, in my office, I've got two huge maps. And, and even then, I remember when the war broke out um, between Russia and, um, uh, what's their name in the, in the south there? Ukraine. Ukraine. And I remember I was, I was there with, with, with my koki and my pen and drawing out on my map and Okay, this is what's going to happen. If this happens, if that happens. Okay, Armageddon should be here. This, 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 and all of these things. It's good to not be ignorant. But do not walk around full of head knowledge without Christ. You knowing or thinking you know. There's no man that knows the hour when he will come. But we can respond to his pounding. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for this mammoth task that you entrusted me with. Lord, I pray that you would use this word to speak to your, your people. And even as we stand witness to those who are going to be baptized this morning, Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We thank you, Lord, that you have ordained a time such as this.